Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics? They talk, we listen. My guest today is a dealmaker and an expert in the field of merger and acquisitions. He has worked on numerous high-profile merger and acquisition engagements across the globe. One in particular was a multi-billion dollar acquisition in Germany and the merger of two of the largest oil companies in the Middle East. So we're going to talk quite extensively about M&As, collaborations, MBOs, partnerships, you name it. But before we get into that, here's a message from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by KPMG. In today's ever-changing climate, agility and flexibility are essential to maintain, grow and understand in an uncertain world. Whatever challenges your organisation is facing, we can help maximise opportunity while minimising risk both today and for the future. Future success means being connected to customers, to market dynamics and digital signals, to employees, to channel and business partners, and aligning across the front, middle and back offices. We'll help you to align, to serve the customers better and deliver greater return on investment. With deep sector insight and the latest thinking, KPMG Connected Enterprise provides a sustainable, risk-optimized route from strategy through execution with the tools methods, frameworks, and solutions your organization needs to succeed in today's turbulent world. KPMG Connected Enterprise can offer you an insight-driven, digitally-enabled roadmap to efficiency and agility that delivers sustainable growth to your organization today and tomorrow. Start your digital transformation journey now with KPMG Connected Enterprise. Talk podcast with your host Elaine Pringle Schwitter. Volker Schutze is a seasoned specialist in merger and acquisition. It's almost in his DNA when you look at some of his achievements in this space. Highly skilled in management, he has worked with large scale multinationals where he spent over 20 years perfecting his role, knowledge, and expertise, inevitably seen as a go to man for pre deal and post deal advisory services. With the gravitas to lead and manage local and international acquisitions, his feedback during the course of this discussion will be extremely valuable to aid with successful delivery of any given undertaking. An expert in MBO and MBI, he has led a management buyout from a large telecommunications operator and subsequently managed and turned around the company as the CEO. A regular speaker at M&A conferences, Volker's expertise extends to corporate finance, investments, transformation programs and execution, to name a few. Volker has held several C-level and directorial positions in organizations like KPMG, Adaptivis, and Civica Digital, part of the Civica Group, formerly known as WTG. He also sits on the board of a number of SME organizations and has been described by his peers as a clear and quick thinker, a structured individual, and his wealth of experience is sought after in many sectors. This will be a very interesting conversation today at TED's Talk. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Volker to this episode. Thanks for being here today, Volker. Hello, Elaine. How are you? I'm good. good I'm good. I'm good. Um, thank you for joining us today. Um, no that's good. Yes, I, I'm. I'm actually looking forward to um, some of your insights into, for example, unexpected collaborations and potential partnerships that could happen either as a result of the current pandemic, the situation that we find ourselves in, or that you believe inevitably due to, I don't know, for instance, the, the drive for digital transformation. Okay, let's kick off with this um, question. Um, we will go into forensic detail later in the episode, but briefly, if you can, is this pandemic 
and economic downturn good grounds for pursuing or postponing an acquisition? Yeah, that's a good question, Elaine. Um, I think there is, um, there's grounds for both. Um, mm -hmm. We've probably all seen the, the high profile um, halts or stops of um, uh, acquisitions such as uh, Boeing trying to acquire Ambrea or the mm -hmm. big one is LVMH and Tiffany. So um, you can see these, these um, deals have, have stopped mm -hmm. uh, and um, uh, for various reasons. Obviously, the, the obvious reason is they started before the pandemic and obviously uh, with the industries that are really hit hard by the pandemic, such as, uh, you know, transport and, and luxury retail, mm. uh, valuations have changed um, massively. So, so those deals are, uh, uh, are struggling, mm -hmm. um, whereas other opportunities such as uh, big tech, you know, the big mm -hmm. tech companies such as Amazon and Alphabet, such as, mm -hmm. you know, Google, they are pursuing deals and, and mm -hmm. uh, their deal volume is going up. So, so they are, yeah. So it's a mixture and it depends on where you sit. So, so, so can I present you with a, a scenario here? Um, you are in the middle of a merger and acquisition when the mm -hmm. pandemic hits. Um, you're in the middle of closing this deal so who are the, the winners and losers in this scenario? I'm suspecting, as you just mentioned, there's a, there's a lot of renegotiations, due diligence and re-evaluations that are taking place as we speak. What is the legal positioning here? Again, a good question. Um, winners and losers are, will, will be on both sides. So, so the sellers and the buyers uh, in the traditional, what, what we could call traditional industries. Um, uh, i.e. non-tech, uh, both of them will be losing um, because the buyer can't buy the organization, the seller uh, potentially don't want to sell because their valuation is suffering. Mm, mm. Uh, so in the case of LVMH, we see it loses on both sides. You know, mm. Tiffany, uh, for, for instance, suffered very much in the downturn. So their valuation is going down, share price, uh, prices are going down and uh, LVMH don't want to do the deal anymore. So, so we have we have losers, and as you alluded to, there will be legal challenges um, because uh, you know pre-deal contracts have been signed, deadlines have been uh, negotiated, and deadlines can't be extended. Mm -hmm. um, and again, if I lose, uh, use LVMH as an example, it's, it's uh, the French government even got involved, and and, and shareholders of, of uh, you know um, Tiffany are now, and investors are now going to court. So there are massive legal challenges, um, you know, forced by the pandemic. And, and you can see the agenda on both sides. As I said, there are losers mm -hmm. on the selling side and losers on the buying side and, and the investors are sitting in the middle. And, and uh, you know, the, the sellers want to get the deal done at the high valuations and the buyers don't want to buy it. So, <clears throat> so, so, you're, so you're seeing a, a lot of um, behind the scenes legal challenges. Um, as a result of this, it's, you know, just another thing to add to this pandemic, a, a negative thing. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, on the other hand, every contract can be negotiated um, and, and should be negotiated before you go to court, because there, 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 there will be scenarios where both sides, you know, can meet in the middle. Um, mm -hmm. And, and that, that should be, that should be uh, you know, strategy number one, rather than, than playing hardball and go to court. So, mm -hmm. so I think they are still a number of, of deals out there that can be completed even during the pandemic. 
I actually thought um, when I thought of this question, I, I thought the losers were more on the seller sides as opposed to the buyer sides. So it's, it's interesting that you said that the losers can be on the, the buying sides. So, and I, so I want to, to sort of expand on that um, question. Um, as we talked about with the pandemic, many of the businesses we know have hemorrhaged. Um, organizations are folding, hibernating, downsizing, and divesting. Um, it's hit the startup community very badly. Uh, a lot of technical resources, great ideas, and niche offerings are disappearing. M&A um, hotspots have emerged out of this. I'm assuming those savvy acquirers, or you know, the buyers I've just mentioned, with very healthy credit facilities, cash flows, and positions in the marketplace are seeing this almost like, I don't know, a child entering a sweet shop and picking their preferences based on potential growth, usually those in the digital space as opposed to the old traditional space, and in doing so, being ahead of their competitors who are literally doing a stop check, um, still in the mode uh, where they're trying to survive this pandemic um, and actually talking among themselves of what are the next steps. Who's looking at this? Um, what opportunities are you seeing? And um, what are the unexpected situations that are unfolding here? Volker, just talk us through some of this. Yeah, as, as we said uh, um, at the outset, uh, um, you know, big tech and other mm -hmm. tech companies are out there and, and they're, they're fishing. So, so they, are, they are inviting their yeah. partners to the dance and, and, and there are loads of potential deals out there for startups. Um, and um, you know, but they, are they favorable they, deals for startups, or favorable for the big corporations? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, what we see are, are the big corporations, and uh, as I said, they they are hotspots, and and uh, in in these hotspots, valuations go up, and uh, we see winners potentially on both sides, so on the seller and buyer side. Mm -hmm. um, but as you, as, as you also mentioned, um, we see the flip side where startups are struggling. And uh, startups that struggle, obviously, um, uh, struggle for cash. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's one of the biggest, yes. biggest problems that they have. Yeah. And, uh, and savvy investors and savvy um, uh, acquirers will take advantage of that. So, uh, so that, that's one of the one of the um, issues that startups need to be aware of, you know, so, uh, you know, can we, can we fend off yeah. those potential, you know, let's call them sharks. Um, <laughs> can we fend, fend them off as, as long as possible, you know? Is, what, what, is, do you, what would you suggest to them? I mean, you know, how, what, what would you, I don't know, what would a good deal look like for them? They're folding, they're hemorrhaging, they can't survive. Um, elements of their business is very good and, and in the right hands it can go far. What, what, what would you suggest to them in, in terms of the whole, in the old space of merger and acquisitions and management buy-ins and that sort of stuff? Well, what, will you, what, would you, what would you sort of advise them on? Well, it's, 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 it, it, it can go either way. I mean, if, 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 if there is a survival strategy, as if, if, they, if there is, you know, a silver lining, Mm -hmm. uh, try to survive. You know, to, uh, you know, there, there is debt out there, as as we all know. They 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 are, you know, the governments offer their corona uh, debt. Um, there's venture debt out there, so you know that there, there, there is debt out there that that they can take on if they believe the pandemic is is um, you know is, is is a temporary downturn, and after the pandemic they 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 see growth. 
If, however, there is absolutely no chance, um, you know, you, you can always go through the insolvency. Let's move on. Let, let's, um, let's, yep. get down, let's get on a level into some detail here. Um, this pandemic is not going away anytime soon. Um, we are in the second wave now. So we, uh, we all have to find a, a workaround of some sort. In an M&A deal, what are the operational challenges that will be faced, especially for a merger and acquisition that is, isn't a fully digitalized operation? How do they go about getting this done and successfully in this current period? We, we are all making assumptions, as, as, as you just said. The pandemic is not going to go away anytime soon. Um, it has to go away because the, the, the government coffers are empty. And we, we know that. So, so further financial incentives um, or, you know, sort of making sure industries can survive. This is not going to happen for, for much longer. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the pandemic, if, if, if it drags on, if we go from wave two to wave three to wave four, then we will see disaster. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we will see a lot of consolidation in any market, whether, whether it's mm. the tech market or the traditional markets, which, which is, will not be good because it, it will generate monopolies or, um, you know, yes. antitrust um, uh, uh, agencies are already on, uh, you know, on the horizon and, mm. and, and look, looking into, into um, you know, competition. Um, issues and, and concentration of power. So um, that's something governance need to need to be aware of and 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 need to need to manage. Um, you know. So so what we advise is you know make make sure when when or if the consolidation happens, the balance sheet looks relatively good. You know that that's that's really really important. Um, Mm-hmm. So uh, <clears throat> one route, and we can go into a lot more detail. But you know, the government governments all over the world, in the UK, in Germany, everywhere, they they offer, for example, um, you know, uh, one route to manage your expenses is is mm-hmm. is to go through R and D funding. Yeah. So R and D funds coming from the um, uh, from the tax offices. So that that's one way in in making sure you, you get some cash back. From your investments, mm-hmm. um, you obviously need to manage your P and L because uh, um, uh, you know uh, depreciation, amortization, you know the DA of EBDA will impact your P and L for a while. So, um, but it is it is a short to medium term uh, uh, route to some cash at least. So uh, 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 to survive and and making sure your balance sheet looks you know a bit better than 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 without it, and it helps you to to fund your um, investments. Um, yeah. Let's talk about an, an industry which is sort of dear to my heart because I, I'm sort of in that industry. I do a lot of work in that space and I, I just want to sort of um, ask you about that. The, the, the collapse of the, the, the physical events industry meant the rise of the virtual events offering, for example. Um, are companies looking into that for potential acquisitions of tech organizations in that space um, or with the, with the other winners in this pandemic, for instance, PPE providers, online shopping offerings and movie streamers. I'm, I'm sure you can think of a lot more winners than I. What say you, Volker, in this trend? Is there a trend to start acquiring um, movers in that space? In general, I think uh, if we talk 
the new normal, so to say. Um, mm -hmm. I think, uh, and, and looking at the uh, events industry, I think there will be a hybrid approach. The, the opportunity that has arisen during the pandemic, uh, to moving from physical to, um, to online and, and digital, um, is, is a trend, which is good, because it, it potentially reaches a larger audience. You know? yeah, uh, as you can imagine, a physical event attracts maybe 10,000 people and a digital event might attract 100,000 people. So, um, but I think going forward, uh, the, the physical events will come back but I think they, they, there will be a hybrid approach. So you, you will uh, see a number of people are probably in smaller events, you know. Um, yes, yes. Physical fight. But it'd be, yeah, I assume it'd be live streamed or it'd be yeah. streamed through some... Uh, are you finding tech organisations or um, non-tech organisations trying to buy into that space, trying to buy capabilities in that space? Uh, or trying to merge with um, organisations in that space. Uh, that's, what, that's the questions. Are you seeing a trend in, um, I don't know, traditional organisations trying to merge in the space where uh, the winners so far in this pandemic, such as PPE providers, um, online shopping offerings, that sort of stuff I was going to mention with streaming. Um, are, are you finding that sort of organisations trying to buy into that space as a result or, or in any shape or form? We don't see that right now. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, uh, um, the players in the market, such as Zoom or Teams, they 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 will probably extend their value chain towards um, okay. yeah proper yeah. event management. Um, but in general terms, why would you do an acquisition? I mean, companies can just just outsource um, or you know or, or buy in certain certain capabilities. I don't I don't think um, we, we see or we will see a uh, big big deals in this in this sort of mm -hmm. market okay uh, but uh, as, as you mentioned other winners i mean ppe providers I, th I think yes they are winners right now but i think that will be short-lived because the once the crisis is over mm -hmm. yes of course um, yeah but in general i think what what is really important is that the deal type will change um as as you said uh, um uh, remote working uh, online shopping, online delivery of anything will be at the forefront of of even the most traditional company, mm -hmm. and that that, that means uh, they have to change their business model. Um, they need to look at different processes that they want to uh, uh, you know offer uh, uh, going forward, different value propositions, and I think even the most traditional companies will have to massively in, uh, accelerate their digital transformation, and there I think we will see loads of deals where uh, uh, companies buy yes, in. Yes, they would have to buy in that because I assume they, they don't have it readily within their organisations, especially if they're extremely traditional ones. They would have to buy yeah. that in with um, small niche companies that can provide that service. For yeah, they have, they have to buy in these services and uh, you know you, you see struggling retailers such as, as John Lewis right now, you know, they, they, have, they have not made the, the, the switch to online. Uh, uh, prior to the pandemic, and so they're struggling a little bit, so they, they have to catch up mm -hmm. a lot. And um, what we will see uh, will be divestments to fund that, um, you know, acceleration mm -hmm. in digital, digital uh, transformation. As, you, as you've probably heard, John Lewis are, are renting out their Oxford Street um, um, 
office block to, to yeah. external. Yes, uh, I think they are, I, I'm not sure about the number, I think I heard 8,000, I could be wrong, but there's going to yeah. be 8,000 jobs going as a result of that. Not just yeah, jobs, jobs, jobs Marks yeah. and Spencers and other and retailers in that, in that space. This is what's yeah. happening. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think I think as they, they, they will divest their, their physical assets mm -hmm. and reinvest into into digital assets, yes, and that, yes. that's something that that will uh, accelerate mm -hmm. and opening up opportunities on on, on both sides, you know, on, on the retail mm -hmm. side, on the on the property market mm -hmm. side. So we will see a lot of change, and um, what is important to M and A internal M and A capabilities is. Um, Apart from the obvious that a lot of deals will be sort of facilitated and expedited uh, from home, from mm -hmm. remote working, um, you know, situations where uh, the biggest challenge obviously is cyber security. So, uh, so you know, um, we all know the issues that Zoom had with uh, cyber security, for mm -hmm. example, mm -hmm. but also you know the exchange of of, of uh, documents online, um, you know. Yeah. That, that's, that's the obvious side of things, but as I said, um, the change in deal type, the change in um, accelerating your agenda necessitates a new uh, uh, capability beyond what most organizations have right now. You know, it's, 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 deals will open up on a, on, a, on a strategic side of things. Mm -hmm. um, organizations okay. will need, need to move into the digital space and that, that's completely different. Valuations are different. The, the whole process is different to, mm -hmm. let's say, the, the usual bricks and mortar acquisitions that, that many, many M&A um, professions are, are used to. So uh, that there, I, I think. Yeah, that, I, I think that, that's interesting actually, because that leads me quite nicely onto the the, the next um, thing I wanted to talk to you about about M and A activities and M and A professionals. I mean, are there new skills and expertise that that you need to um, develop in that space in your M and A space as a result of this pandemic, or as even as a result of the digitalization that you talked about about organisations moving from the traditional operation to a digital model. Um, have M&A advisors found themselves short and lacking operationally as a result of, of the remote working and um, what we have to endure? What skill upgrade, if any, is needed in that space? Um, yeah, we, we need to combine the, the remote working with the uncertainty that's out there. Um, we all hope the pandemic will go away, but I think the uncertainty will still be there. Uh, also uh, augmented by Brexit, for example, yeah, in Europe. So um, uh, dealing with uncertainty is a new skill uh, set. Uh, previously, um, you know, in, 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 in the M&A process, you, you mm -hmm. have your data room and the data room is static, more or less. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, you, 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 you go through the paperwork and, and, and it's, it's that sort of accounting style um, capability that, that, that used to be um, in demand. Now it is uncertain. A data room is old as soon as you put it up. Mm. And data rooms are now uh, uh, digitized, so so the data changes all the time, and uh, M&A professionals need to make judgment calls. That that uh, that you know that, that's a capability in itself. You know how, how is there a, a COVID element uh, that I should offset? Is there maybe a bonus that I can apply? You know, is my valuation correct? Uh, as by by just looking at the current balance sheet let's say at the current uh, data that in front is in front of me or or can i apply a premium because the world will move towards me going forward mm. or 
the other way around. Do I need to discount because the world is moving against me? So, so all of these are completely different capabilities and, uh, and uh, you know, professional uh, uh, M&A organizations that, that are at the forefront and they, they're thinking ahead. They are making these, um, you know, recruitment decisions now to make sure when we get out, um, uh, uh, we are there. Oh, nice. to, to, to be opportunistic yes um, because what one one further thing that will happen operationally is um, uh, the deal volume will go up it has to go up um, so you know right now what we see is is, is a lower deal volume uh, deals are probably not as prevalent as they, as they are right now but uh, it, it will go up there will be many many more smaller deals rather than you know a few large deals Right. And, and then being opportunistic, looking out, you know, where's the next deal is, is critical. And that's, that is, um, that, that divides the leaders from the, uh, the losers, so to say, you know, mm -hmm. if, if you, um, you know, really professional M&A uh, acquirers are setting themselves up for, for the flurry of deals coming yeah. and the laggards will suffer. They will invariably suffer going yeah. forward. So, so in essence, there's almost be your skills will be, will be changed almost beyond recognition. Am I right in saying that going forward? Yeah, you have, you have to augment your teams. Um, I wouldn't say maybe beyond recognition, but it, it, you, you have to augment your M&A teams with, uh, you know, strategic thinking uh, individuals who, who can make sense out of the uncertainty, who see an opportunity when it arises, you know, and, and as I said, uh, have, have the ability and the capacity to identify um, is this a good deal or not, and and if it's a good deal, you, you, they have to act swiftly, um, because uh, there are many many uh, organizations out there they they're looking probably for similar deals. So it's um, as I said, the laggards will suffer, and and, and the guys who make the, uh, act, the recruitment decisions now, you know, um, taking up the talent that is out there, they they will be the winners going mm -hmm. forward. So, so effectively, I think one of my earlier questions when I talked about uh, not so much the winners, but the ones that are seizing the opportunities in the midst of all of this mess, as opposed to those who are just thinking we just need to try and survive and keep our heads above water. It's the ones that are think this is the ones that are seizing these opportunities, uh, are the ones you're saying will come out of this so you know in in, in, a, in a better space than those that thought they were quite doing being quite diligent and surviving. Um, and we're waiting for the whole thing to blow over. Um, you, yeah. you, you touched upon um, the next thing I want to talk about, um, and uh, it's a change in direction. Everybody hates this topic, um, but we have to discuss it. And, and I want your M&A take on this. Um, there are a few parts to this question, so please take note as I ask them. Just nudge me to repeat if you've missed any of the subsections to this question. This whole Brexit saga has been going on for uh, four years since the referendum in 2016. We are now nearing the end. Um, I believe a lot of people will not see the enormity of the changes that will, that will take place behind the scenes uh, as a result. In your field of merger and acquisition, what positive and negative impact will Brexit have on the work that you do? And um, these are the sub parts of the question. For example, what um, how will this impact organizations embarking on an emerging acquisition program where one organization is based in the UK 
and the other is based in, say, Germany. This is post the whole Brexit up in Germany. What, 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 what will be different as a result of Brexit? Two, what additional or reduced activities do you need to do in this space as a result of Brexit? And finally, three, in your line of work, is, is this welcome or is there a sense of panic and dread with the enormity of the task ahead? Yeah, good question. Um, in general terms, uh, Brexit uh, translates into margin pressures. Nice. Uh, what mm -hmm. we see is that costs are going up, especially labor costs. In, in, in labor-intensive um, uh, industries, uh, you know, access to uh, cheaper EU labor will become more difficult. Mm. Um, on top of that, obviously, we, we have seen, and uh, depending on, on the deal outcome, there's still a possibility of a no deal, um, currency movements will be uh, a, a factor. We, we will see uh, and have seen already uh, volatility in the, in, the, in the currency markets. So, um, so Brexit is, is um, throwing up the cards and we need to see how they land. Uh, but as I said, there, there are issues out there and, and that will lead to consolidation uh, domestically here in the UK, but also geographically. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, from an MA perspective, there, there will be opportunities. Uh, so you alluded to uh, geographic um, yes. uh, situations, you know, cross-border mergers, especially for organizations that um, import-export, so, so where, where goods are flowing. Yeah. I think we will see cross-border acquisitions. Um, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, markets are potentially uh, uh, um, not, not quite closed, uh, depending on, on, obviously, whether we have a deal or no deal, um, but there will be tariffs. So and there will be costs and uh, organizations want to mitigate that. And, and I, I could see, uh, you know, an increase in, in cross-border deals to have access to the EU market. So especially, you know, UK to EU yeah. um, acquisitions, I think will, will increase. Yeah. Um, to answer your second question, will it hinder, will Brexit hinder mm -hmm. transactions? Um, I think it remains to be seen. So what, what we've seen right now is that the legal um, processes and the legal infrastructure has not changed too much. It, it, it looks like uh, uh, the EU and the UK legal sort of text will be the same or very, very similar. Um, so, so I don't think from a legal perspective there, there, there will be too many challenges. Um, there could be one exception, which, which are highly in, regulated industries such as finance. Um, and they will probably mitigate this through acquisitions again. And, and you've seen it. A, a number of banks have already moved um, staff to the EU, to Frankfurt, Paris, and Dublin. So th that's that's something that we will see to um, to uh, you know um, take advantage of regulatory environments uh, on either side. Obviously, uh, they are good sides in the UK, and they are good sides on the EU. And, and and we will see an exchange of, of assets. On, on, on that side. So um, there are opportunities. Um, legally, I don't think, but we never know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we have seen any, any legal uh, uh, issues right now. Um, what we will see is, and I alluded to it previously, is, is antitrust sort of competitive or competition authorities will look at deals in, in, in more detail, especially um, um, 
you know, on, on the financial side of things, yeah. or fi finance industry. Um, but yeah, it's, um, so, so it's, current, it's uncertain, but the opportunities are out there. Yes, yeah, so, uh, so I'm seeing, regardless of Brexit or not Brexit, um, in the M&A space, there are always opportunities and um, having Brexit will not um, hinder such opportunities. In fact, it will probably add to the opportunity in terms of the kind of collaborations and partnerships that, that will be developed as a result. Yeah. Okay, um, let's, let's end on a, a, a non-M&A question. Um, let's talk about your, your current organisation. You offer uh, private cloud-based solutions and technologies to corporations. Um, due to the increased requirement and need to work remotely, um, there is also an, an increased need to manage and protect the security. I think you mentioned, you talked about it very briefly, about cyber security, the security of an organization's or individual's data. What are the, the war stories that um, you have seen or heard about when organizations do not go down the private cloud-based route? And um, what can you tell my listeners? And, and what do you advise your clients? Yeah, there, there is, we, we, need, we need to differentiate between uh, um, you know, a cloud deployment, such as private cloud or public cloud. Yep. And um, and also the the strategic uh, impediment. Why why are you moving to the cloud? And uh, uh, and if you do, have you thought about your business objectives? Because um, it it's it is critically important that you that an organization, a CIO, a CFO, a CEO, that they think about um, the reasons for a move. And um, and that they start thinking about a cloud service offering. Mm -hmm. So what, what, what cannot happen is a lift and shift where, where a CIO says, oh, I, heard, I hear the cloud is good. Let, let's, let's lift and shift what I have into the cloud. This will not work. And especially in, in a public cloud, it will arise, uh, uh, create issues such as um, security issues. Um, because a private, a public cloud like like Amazon, you know, AWS, Amazon Web Services, they, they don't help you. You 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 need to manage your security infrastructure. You need to manage uh, your processes in that public cloud. Whereas in private cloud like ours, we have all of that in place. Um, so so you don't need to overstretch your infrastructure and managers to think about new processes, to think about, you know, what, what is uh, uh, the optimal infrastructure and the, the optimal architecture, um, because all of that is, is already in place in, 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 the, in the private cloud and we, we offer the platform as a service. So, so that, that's critically important. And with it comes the security, because we look at that uh, very uh, specifically to ensure, um, you know, the organization is safe. So, so that's, these are the factors, uh, a CIO, I, I know they're under pressure. They are under pressure from their bosses uh, to, to digitize quick. And um, so, but it's important to take a step back and making sure your business case is convincing. No, because so you've seen, you've seen, you've seen, you've seen them to sort of the wise first. Yeah, because what we've seen in, in uh, part of our war stories is, is uh, what we call a pilot store. So um, organizations go about and say, okay, let, let's, let's run a pilot in the cloud and let's, let's see what happens. And then they realize um, the benefits are not that great and, and the costs are actually going up. Mm -hmm. um, 
And, and then suddenly the pilot stalls because the, 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 the management team says, hold on a second, I, I, I can't see that. This is a convincing case. And um, uh, which will be a loss of time. You will have wasted resources. Um, uh, you know, chaos ensues in the organization. And, and it's, 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 it is critical to, to run a cloud migration initiative uh, professionally and, and from a strategic perspective to avoid what we call pilot store. Um, other situations we see is, is gridlock, you know, a cloud gridlock, because there are too many initiatives and then they're jammed up in a queue. Um, and uh, as I said, especially in, in public clouds, the sort of uh, uh, you know, the automation architecture you want to build up yeah. is, 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 is hard to build. And then, and then you sit there, um, and and there's gridlock of uh, or gridlock backlog of, of initiatives um, that that not moving anywhere. So, so all of this could backfire, um, and hence, hence we offer these services, and uh, and uh, the private cloud and the private cloud environment yeah. is a platform that is there for uh, infrastructure managers to manage the migration better and. Uh, uh, to avoid these issues, you know, like as I said, uh, as you said, you have seen some of these backfired. I think uh, for my listeners, if you would like to um, have a conversation with um, Volker about this and or enter into a dialogue with him about this, I, I will put a link to his organisation in the episode description, and from there you can take it and, and please go directly to um, Volker himself and talk to him about um, some of the, your your needs in that space. Okay, Volker Schultz, many thanks for your time and insights. Elaine, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executive decision makers and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.